0: To a Rebel Media podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger, it appears that the monstrous anti-free speech creature known as Section 13 might be resurrected and put back into the Canadian Human Rights Act but why is it that the Conservatives who killed this provision in 2013 seem to have no problem with its gruesome return? Ezra Levant shall explain all, while he's still allowed to, that is. British Columbians are fed up with gas prices topping a buck seventy a litre, but they aren't merely whining about it. Rather, they're going south to Washington State to fill up the tank While they're financially benefiting, of course, the local BC economy is not. But as Kian Bexty notes, this is a direct result of pipeline paralysis and don't expect that to change unless there is regime change. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day and I'll share some of your responses regarding my interview with a Muslim attendee at Al Quds Day in Toronto last Saturday I was amazed at his brazen honesty and that he wants Sharia law to replace Canadian law, but I was chilled to the bone that he was seemingly gleeful that one aspect of Sharia law would require executing gays in Canada. Is that enough diversity for you? Those are your Rebels. Now let's round them up.
1: Metro Vancouver is going through a gasoline crisis right now. A $1.70 a litre is what the locals are paying to fill up their cars. Even if they don't have a large suburban, they just have a regular mid-sized car, it puts them at almost 100 bucks to fill up their car. If they want to drive their kids to soccer practice or commute to work every day, well, they're pretty much SOL, and it's all because of Premier John Horgan and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. The duo have done everything that they can to make sure no pipelines are built through British Columbia. John Horgan, to be fair, is suing Jason Kenney because of his uh, threat to turn off the taps from Alberta to British Columbia. Apparently, he thinks that it's totally fine to import as much fuel from Alberta as possible, but if Alberta wants to export that oil to markets outside of Vancouver, well, there's just no room in British Columbia for pipelines. I'm going to go to the most expensive gas station that I can find in Metro Vancouver, and I'm gonna ask the people filling up with gas Who do they blame? Who do they blame for making them pay through the nose to fill up with gas? How does a buck 70 a liter make you feel filling up? Not good. And you're even driving a smart car, so there's probably not much gas in there. I go to Point Roberts quite regularly to just over the border in the States to get gas. Just because how much, what's the difference? Well, 35 cents generally, 35 cents a liter. Wow, when you
0: even have the owners of fuel sipping misers like smart cars bemoaning the cost of gas, then you really know you have an energy crisis on your hands. Little wonder there's been an increasing number of BC motorists making an economic statement by crossing over the border to Washington State to save money on petrol, not to mention supply managed and artificially inflated food commodities such as milk eggs and chicken yes even with the conversion to u.s dollars it makes far more financial sense to drive your chevrolet to the usa and joining me now to talk about the bc ripoff at the gas pumps is our roving reporter kian Bexte. welcome to rebel roundup kian hey thanks for having me david always a pleasure my friend now, that was a very enlightening report you filed, Kean, but I was really taken aback by some of the street responses when it came to those offering thoughts on who is to blame for the high gas prices in B.C. The smart car driver said Alberta, which is actually a victim of federal government pipeline policies, and then when you asked one woman if she would support the Trans Mountain expansion, she inexplicably said yes and no. Kian... It seems to me that a percentage of British Columbians just don't realize that the guys wearing the black hats here are Justin Trudeau and their very own premier, Hulk Horgan. Why is that?
1: Well, I I think that it it stems from them not being educated uh, enough to know what's going on. I mean, it's a complex issue. uh, And most people, even Albertans, I would say, don't know where the gas uh, comes from that's coming out of the pump and into their car. Uh, 80% of the fuel products about there uh, in Metro Vancouver come from Alberta, from the Alberta oil sands, uh, and it's Alberta bitumen that they're putting into their car effectively that's been refined. Uh, But they don't really know that, so when they blame Alberta saying, oh, it's Alberta's fault, the gas prices are so high, uh, no, that's not the case. Alberta would love to be producing more gas. We love selling our, uh, our oil products problem is capacity, the problem is pipeline capacity, which uh, is a hard concept for them to wrap their heads around. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer that there's, you know, there's TMX existing already, why not just double it up? It's not really, like, it's not any new ground, uh, as they say, but it's, it's twinning a pipeline. They don't really understand that that's really what is holding their prices so high. The fact that we can't put more oil products through that pipeline that's existing right now. We need more capacity. They just don't understand that.
0: And, Ken, this is B.C.'s own doing to a large part, too. And we had this discussion um, a few months ago, I believe, where we speculated that maybe it's time for Jason Kenney to be no more Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe it's time for him to give a 90-day a warning that if you don't change your ways and we can't get your, our product into your province, then we're just gonna turn off uh, the taps w- uh, altogether. And then we'll see what happens to your gasoline prices. Does Jason Kenney have the backbone to do that, Kian? Because to me, I see that as a no-loss situation. That's win-win for Jason Kenney and his province.
1: Well, I I mean, there's only so much that we can do. Alberta has been roadblocked at every opportunity. That's why a convoy drove from uh, Red Deer all the way from Alberta to Ottawa to send a message to the government that we need to get our oil and gas industry back on top uh, where it was back in 2008. But uh, we just can't do that because of the American monopsony on our our, uh, products. So there's a... um, Sorry, I'm just kidding. So, um, it's, and you're right, it is BC to blame. John Horgan took uh, Jason Kenney to court, effectively, over wanting to regulate the contents of the pipeline, which, you know, is the judge ruled in a five, the, the, the panel ruled in a 5-0 ruling in favor of Alberta, uh, that John Horgan can't just say, yeah, no, we don't want this, we don't want that, in our pipeline. So, uh, I'd say the large uh, people to blame, and, and the people who were in Bellingham, who I talked to, also blame these people, were Justin Trudeau and John Horgan. Uh, the ones that were filling up in Toronto, in Metro Vancouver, they they were a little bit less clear. But it seems like the people who are taking their time out of their day to drive to Bellingham to fill up know exactly who's to blame.
0: Yeah, and I I wonder, you know, again, well, time will tell, and of course we can't read uh, Jason Kenney's mind, but like I said, uh, I, I think... Uh, it's time for him to fight back on this file. We'll see what the future brings us. But in terms of the rubber uh, hitting the road, uh, Kian, what is absolutely fascinating I find is that some of these drivers they said it's a half hour drive to get to uh, to get over the uh, the border into Washington State. Um, further to that, I checked the U.S. dollar today. Uh, it's uh, the the differential is a dollar thirty four. So it's a, it's a dollar thirty four Canadian to buy one U.S. dollar. So more than a third. It's at a it's. The Canadian dollar is at a really bad vantage point. And even with that kind of fiscal penalty in terms of the financial uh, conversion key in, it still makes sense to fill up. It still makes sense to buy dairy products, eggs, you you name it. Um, This is just a drain of money from Canada into the U.S. And you think that would be a wake-up call to politicians of all stripes that things have to be done when it comes to pipeline paralysis, but... I guess virtue signaling, that eclipses everything, doesn't it?
1: Well, it it does, and this is a real-life example of the Laffer curve, which uh, I'm sure many viewers know is a common argument that conservatives have against tax increases. As you start to increase taxes, people just say, yeah, you know what, I'm out of the marketplace. And this is them actually physically leaving the marketplace to, to greener pastures. Uh, where the tax rates aren't so high, uh, I I would love to see some some data to see how much money we're actually hemorrhaging from Canada because it's not just the tax money that we're losing; it's the money that the businesses in Canada are no longer getting. Instead of it going to, uh, you know, a local convenience store gas station, the the entire profit and and uh, yeah, the entire revenue is going to. Um, an American company, and then the taxes are going to the American government. It's a lose-lose-lose situation. So...
0: Oh no! It's the worst possibility of all because, like you said, it's not just the government losing on taxes, but local businesses who employ local British Columbians—they're uh, losing. And hey, let's face it: if you're going to make that drive into, um, you know, Washington, uh, it's not as though you're going to do a quick dash out of there. You're probably going to uh, have lunch or dinner there, uh, spend even more money into the local economy. So it's lose all around. But another thing: I've never done the BC to. Well, actually, it's been 30 years since I did that, but. I'm curious, Kian, um, what is the role of the border guards in terms of when they see uh, cars with BC plates uh, heading back north over the border and there's like uh, shopping bags bulging out of the back seat and what have you, uh, are are they clamping down at all a little more uh, than usual since this is such a big trend?
1: Well, I, I bet John Horgan would wish that they would. Uh, because it's John Horgan that has egg on his face. After this, um, when when I was interviewing this lady, she opened up the back of her Rav Four, I think it was, and there was two big, like forty liter jerry cans back there that she had covered up with black garbage bags. So uh, they're they certainly not trying to broadcast it to the border agents, and I'm not sure what the legality is of it. I don't think that you can. I don't think you actually have to claim uh, gasoline that's in the tank. But you probably do have to claim gasoline that you're actually almost importing into the country. Uh, I don't know if they're they're searching more uh, now than they were before, given the increased gas prices, but it's uh, something to look into.
0: Ah, the old garbage bag over the shopping bag trick, eh, Chief? It fools them every time. You know, I'll tell you, from a Toronto perspective, uh, Key, and I shouldn't really be saying this, uh, and I'm not trying to encourage anyone to skirt uh, the law and customs regulations, but if you want to time your shopping trip uh, across the Ontario Western New York border, to coincide with a, a Leaf game in Buffalo or a Buffalo Bills football game, there's such an exodus of traffic back at the border uh, after the game that the guards are very lax. They're waving everybody, f- everyone f- uh, through. So if you even weren't even there to see the game, it's an ideal time to, uh, to save. And hey, you're really only, uh, you're, 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 you're putting it to the tax man for, for good reason. Yeah. Uh, Last question, Kian, Um, given that this is a trend, it's a growing trend, it's draining money out of the B.C. economy, uh, even the federal economy, given the taxation factor, do you see any kind of clampdown? Do you see any kind of policy change to reverse things? Uh, In terms of... uh the stopping the, um, uh, the flow of, uh, of motorists to, to BC, yeah. e- either by uh, liberating gas policies, uh, or, or, or sorry, pipeline policies so that the price of gas comes down for British Columbians, or if, if the carrot doesn't work the stick, that you know, uh, border guards are really going to make you wait in line at, at the very least, you know, penalize you time-wise if you're going to do this uh, as a regular occurrence.
1: Well I waited in the lineup for about 50 minutes. I was actually in the Nexus line for a little bit and then I hopped over into the regular person line because I wasn't sure where I was driving. Uh, but if, if you were waiting in that lineup from the whole way back you would have been in there for an hour and a half, two hours. So. Uh, maybe they are already clamping down uh that would I, I imagine the stick is the only thing that will work here because i don't think that premier john Horgan is going to change his tune of course you know he's being run by the green party uh if they pull their support from him uh, his government collapses so i don't think we're going to see any movement on that until uh his government collapses until he missteps or until his uh four-year term ends and there's an election in bc but uh, i haven't seen much from the british Columbian liberals i don't know if they can even be called uh, right wing at this point anymore. I don't know if there's any end in sight for British Columbians, but uh, it's we're going to have to watch it. Well, who am I to argue
0: against uh, the truth, uh, you know, the paragon of truth and virtue that is the Green Party? I, I wonder if Elizabeth May is taking that Dodge Viper down to Washington uh. to, to <laughs> fill up the tank. You know, a V10 640 horsepower muscle car, that consumes a lot of gas, I should think, but sure we shall see. <laughs> Anyways, Kian, great report. Thanks again for weighing in, my friend. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. And that was Kean Bextie in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come. Right after this.
2: Is it true that, I mean, of course the Liberals and the NDP did it, but did the did the conservative MPs actually vote to turn off the cameras while you were you and Mark Stein and Job Robson were testifying for freedom today? I had to rewatch to make sure that that happened, but yes, indeed it did. They literally invited you there. And when they got uncomfortable or got some panicky email, they voted to turn off the camera on you. Did they make eye contact while doing that? Like, that's like inviting someone to a birthday party and then someone saying, well, if, if she's here, I'm not going to be here. Tell them to leave. Like, that's, uh, that's not just politically outrageous. It's just socially cringy to invite someone to come all the way to Ottawa And then to say, yeah, we're sort of embarrassed by you. We're going to turn off the camera. Like, did they even do that with with a straight face and eye contact? Um, You know, I mean, they were pleasant to me, the three conservative MPs, um, while I was there. Uh, The Liberals and NDP, less so.
0: Um,
2: So but I think the conservatives, they were probably feeling the heat from the Michael Cooper situation.
0: Has the world really changed that much in just six years? Remember the Conservative good old days, remember how the Stephen Harper Conservatives eradicated the pro-censorship, anti-free speech section 13 from the Canadian Human Rights Act back in 2013? Well, not only are the usual suspects with the Liberals and and the NDP trying to bring back this odious section, it would appear that the Conservatives under Andrew Scheer can't be bothered to put up much of a fight. After all, they voted along with their opposition colleagues to have the cameras turned off during a public meeting of the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights in Ottawa on Tuesday. Yes, Section 13 hasn't even been resurrected yet, but this committee can't wait to act as a star chamber full of censors. But the question is this, how is it that the Conservatives were crusaders for free speech less than a decade ago Yet they are now apparently ready to wave the white flag of surrender when it comes to standing up for freedom—unbelievable. And joining me now is a man who has personal experience when it comes to Section 13 and those kangaroo courts that are emboldened by it. Our very own rebel commander Ezra Levant. Now, Ezra, as I stated, uh, no no news here about the left wanting uh, anti-free speech, pro-censorship uh, legislation on the books, but wearing blue blazes as Andrew Scheer and the Conservative Party. Yeah, it's very disappointing. Uh, Stephen Harper
2: in 2013 uh, approved and the party voted and the government voted and the law was changed to repeal this censorship provision. And I think it was unanimous on the Conservative side. Now the trouble is it was unanimous against on the Liberal side, except for one Liberal MP named Scott Sims, a former journalist from Newfoundland. um, I don't think Andrew Shear would have voted because he was the Speaker of the House, yeah. but any sitting Conservative MPs today who were around six years ago would have voted to repeal Section 13. They would and, have and there are dozens. Yeah. yeah. And so all of a sudden, they're so whipped by Andrew Shear that they're, not one of them has spoken out against the revival of Section 13, and as you point out, they actually voted to turn off the cameras. On their own conservative witnesses. As you may know, in Parliament, when they have these committees, each party gets to invite their own list of witnesses to testify. Yeah. So the the NDP can call their people, the Liberals can call their people. The Conservative Party of Canada invited Mark Stein, invited Lindsey um, Lindsay Shepard, and invited John Robson. Right. And all friends of ours, by the way. Yes. So these people didn't just say, oh, 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 me, call on me. They were invited by the <laughs> yeah. conservatives, questioned by the conservatives, and yet the conservatives and Andrew Lawton, who was there with you, correct? he said he was advised that Andrew Shear's office personally instructed the three conservatives on the panel to vote to turn off the cameras.
0: I, I haven't heard that well, right, right
2: now. Andrew Lawton uh, published it on his own uh, website and on True, uh, True North News, which is their website. So Sheer, like imagine inviting someone and then saying, I'm suddenly embarrassed of you and I don't want the world to see you. It, now they would have had their cameras turned off anyways because the conservatives don't have a majority on this committee. Right. So it was the symbolism of it. Yeah. The, Andrew Scheer insisted on the symbolism of personally deplatforming his own witnesses. Do you think that is a man who has a spine to stand up? in a real case, so he won't even allow Mark Stein, John Robson, and Lindy Shepard to speak on TV. But
0: Ezra, here's the thing, and I'm sure the viewers at home are saying this, talk about something that engages the conservative base. Talk about something that makes conservatives do fist pumps, standing up for freedom of speech, like Stephen Harper did uh, in his term. What is the unspoken strategy here of a so-called conservative leader putting out orders like
2: this? It's, it's, not a, it's not a secret at all. It's very easy to divine. It's exactly the same reason why Andrew Shear has ordered all of his MPs, all of his senators, and all of his staff not to talk to the rebel. Yeah. Now, we know that literally a majority of his MPs and candidates are rebel supporters. We know that because they sign up with us. Yeah. Like, I have a list of them, <laughs> and I would never embarrass them in public because they be disciplined by Andrew Scheer. So so we know for a fact um, that many, and I I still talk to some members of the caucus privately. We know for a fact he's instructed them not to. Why? We're the most important conservative voice on the internet, 1.2 million subscribers. We talk about all the important issues important to the base. Um, Even though we have our beef with Andrew Scheer, we think he's not strong enough or courageous enough. We obviously want him to replace. Justin Trudeau, I mean, it goes without thinking, what goes without saying. But he is afraid that if he or anyone on his team, even is seen in public with us, the mean girls of the media party will say, you see, uh-huh, you're really right wing. Yeah. And so he is literally afraid of the CBC, of Rosemary Barton and, and the, mean, the mean girls of the Toronto Star and Maclean's saying mean things about him. And so he is not only cutting himself off from the only conservative media of of size in this country, but he is letting the liberal media make decisions for him and he's showing a tremendous lack of courage and do you think it will be fixed? And the problem with Andrew Scheer always has been, he never has fought a fight in his life. he got into parliaments as a kid really in sort of an accidental election and then he quickly became deputy speaker and then speaker so he never, engaged in a debate in parliament. He never had to take tough questions in question period. He never had to do a hostile scrum in the media. His interactions with other parties was very amiable and compromise oriented. He chaired something called the Board of Internal Economy, which is basically cutting up the budget behind closed doors. So he was in charge of the trough. Mm -hmm. So here's a guy who for 10 years, never had a public fight, never had to take blows from the media or the liberals. And even when he won the leadership of the conservative party, There was no bench clearing brawl. There was one single vote where everyone ranked it. He won on the 14th ballot, I think. He was everyone's second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth choice. Um, So he sort of gamed his way in. And now when we see him facing fights, he caves immediately. He caved immediately on the global, as soon as he became leader, he caved on global warming. He whipped his whole party to support the Paris global warming scheme. He's walking that back a bit now. He's terrified of this free speech thing. He's terrified of being called right wing or far right. So he's staying away from the rebel, even though I know all those people yeah. are our supporters, because they're, they're members of the rebel. That is not good, because um, he's got a 12 point lead in the polls right now, but he has not yet faced the jackals that will be released against him by the liberal party, the third party campaign surrogates, and by the media with his $600 million bailout. If Andrew Shear does not grow a spine now, he will be killed and if he doesn't defend
0: free speech for his allies, his allies will be wiped out. 100% Ezra, you know, um, I think he is, these are self-inflicted wounds he's doing on himself. And I'll tell you, I do go into the comment section on rebel commentaries. I do it because so many of the uh, people leaving comments, uh, they're actually uh, brilliantly witty. It makes me chuckle out loud. Some are very profound. And I can tell you this, that we, of course, go to a a pro-conservative base. Over and over and over, I will see go PPC in 2019, go Max Bernier in 2019. I would say at a rate of 25 to 1, as opposed to go Andrew Shear, go Conservative Party. That t- to me says that there is a constituency out there, and we have one, oh, more than 1.2 million YouTube subscribers. We don't want Trudeau light. Yeah. We want a real conservative alternative, and with Andrew Scheer, that ain't it, and that was on display at the, the committee this week. Well,
2: look, Mark Stein is a well-loved hero to the Canadian right. Yes. Lindsay Shepard is a well-loved hero who was victimized and fought back. Yeah. Everyone loves her. John Robson is a good work journalist, conservative opinionator, he used to do some videos for The Rebel. Yep. Like he, I mean, he, I wouldn't call him a national star, but people generally like him. Yep. So imagine not standing up for them, and worse, voting to silence them. You're demoralizing the base. And, and if, if you want your base to be excited, and revved up, and pumped up, and take a lawn sign, and donate, and go volunteer, and door knock, and but then you say, oh, I don't care about free speech and Lindsay Shepard and Mark Stein. I mean, it's one thing to say Ezra Levant and David Menzies are too far <laughs> out there, but Mark Stein and Lindsay Shepard, the yeah. sweet college girl who yeah. was um, roughed up by her ugly professors. Yeah. Like if you can't sympathize with Lindsay Shepard, if she's too radical for you you're, you, you're too far left. And it demoralizes the conservative base and it cheers the leftist base. And that's the worst of all worlds. You mentioned Maxime Bernier. He has been strong on this issue. And my one yes. hope is that he makes so much ground on this free speech issue that Andrew Scheer does a rethink, mm. just like he rethinked on global warming and said, oh, yikes, I went too far there. I totally miscalculated. People actually hate the carbon tax, love pipelines, love the oil sands. I was totally wrong. Uh, change course. And I think. Uh, we don't want the Patrick Brownification of the federal conservatives, and my ho- I think Maxime Bernier should have stayed in the conservative party, and I've, I've said that many times, yes. but now that he's out, I believe his positive role could be to say the things every conservative wants and create a stampede towards him that Andrew Scheer says, yikes, yeah. I was wrong. I'd better copy Maxime Bernier on free speech to get those voters back. That's my hope, because right now, Andrew Shear's behavior in firing Michael Cooper from that committee, yep. and then silencing those three witnesses and uh, Mark Stein, uh, John Robson, and Lindsey Shepard. If you're a conservative voter, you're seeing that and saying, "Why am I getting out of bed early to door knock for this guy?"
0: Well, um, Ezra, Mr. Shear, better have that come to Jesus moment really quick, because the, the clock is ticking right now in terms of October 21st. And by the way, you, you did mention correctly, the cameras were turned off, the Conservatives sat on their hands about that, no, they voted for that. Uh, for that, I should say, yeah, it's even worse. Um, Michael Cooper's remarks being expunged from the record, it was that season of Dallas that never happened. Yeah. Bobby Ewing is still alive, yeah, yeah. forget what you saw in yeah. season five. And uh, the cherry on the Sunday, uh, and I don't want to make this about us. But 20 minutes before we were to go in, our press credentials were denied, and the um, innocuous reason was that the rebel does not adhere to the standards and principles of journalism what does that mean in tangible terms, that, that we, we're, we're libelous, we're defamatory, we're slanderous? No, it, it's just like one of these uh, social media censures, uh, Ezra, where it says you've violated the terms of the community. So we weren't even allowed to go in there as journalists. We had to sit as members of the yeah. public. This is garbage, and, and I guess, you know, we're running out of time. Uh, here's, I guess, the key question, Ezra, because you've lived through Section 13. Is this gonna go through? Is this a, a, an accomplished fate in terms of it being resurrected? Oh, it's a slam dunk.
2: Yeah, Like I say, every single liberal except for one voted uh, to preserve this in 2013. Uh, Trudeau loves censorship, he's made that clear. Karina Gould, his democracy minister, his anti-democracy minister, loves it. Um, the Senate will love it. Uh, I, I make a prediction, there's a new journalist in the Senate from Alberta, a leftist called um, Uh, Paula Simons was appointed by Justin Trudeau. She worked for the Edmonton Journal, which won a Pulitzer for fighting for free speech in 1930s. I predict she will be a journalist for censorship because everyone who gets fed from Trudeau is. I predict that section 13, the censorship trial of the Canadian Human Rights Act will become law and the cherry on the cake will be that a journalist in the Senate gives it the vote to make it law. That's my prediction.
0: Unbelievable. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm going to put a cherry on the cherry on the cake. And it's this, folks. Next month in Ottawa, this government and the UK government are going to be holding, not kidding, an anti-censorship.
2: I think it's in London. You said Ottawa. But oh, it's going to be in in London.
0: I I I I mistake. Uh, it, my mistake. In London. But nevertheless an anti-censorship conference. Think about that. Our very own Sheila Gunn-Reed is going out there to cover it. Um, We're going to have a a really interesting uh, event there, I I, I would imagine. They are probably uh, doing somersaults uh, behind closed doors, figuring out how they're going to ban people and censor people without it looking like a ban and looking like censorship. Unbelievable. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Day protests in Toronto, we stumbled upon this gentleman. He's a Muslim who was taking part in the protest, and he was advocating that Canada needs to be ruled under Sharia law. And that would mean, of course, executing gays.
3: Apparently, he didn't get Justin Trudeau's diversity is our strength memo. Okay, so you say that Israel was established on an empty barren desert. Is that right? I didn't say that. Okay. So what's what's your point of view? I'm looking at some of the
0: signage. I see it says Israel is an apartheid state. Yes, it is. Well, when what y- do
3: you mean by apartheid? Apartheid means a state that separates, that, that, that treats people differently based yeah. on their race or religion. Right. So isn't Israel there? There are even Arabs
0: that sit in the Knesset in Israel. So I'm under trying to understand... Yeah, but those must be house Negroes, house Arabs. Oh really?
3: Really? Yeah, yeah. You didn't, you know that?
0: You know, I'm glad you said that, and I didn't. Uh, that sounds very racist if, to me, if sir. If what, what would if happen to a gay couple in Palestine, sir? What? What would happen to a gay couple they'll be, they'll in Gaza?
3: Executed ex- according to Islamic law. Really? Islam doesn't in- endorse gayism. Islam doesn't endorse homosexuality. Well, Just like Canada doesn't endorse a lot of things. And do you think that's good? Uh, if I were to, do you th- think that's good, sir? Do you think it's good for gays? Canada, I, I would get executed, right? I would get prosecuted. In the same way, Islam doesn't approve of being gay. I see.
0: Okay, so would you like to see Sharia law in Canada replace Canadian law?
3: At some point it will. You know, because we, are, we, are, we have families, we are making babies. You not. You're, 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 your population is going down the slump, That's right? right? Yeah. And by 2060, by 2060, according to Pew Research Institute, your research, by 2060 Muslims will be the biggest religious group the world over.
0: Our interview with the Al-Quds protester advocating for Sharia law and the consequences that come with it, i.e. the execution of certain infidels such as gays, generated a ton of response. And with good reason, it's somewhat chilling to see an educated person actually advocating for the slaughter of fellow human beings, not due to heinous crimes they've committed, but rather just because they're different. Look, Al-Quds Day always brings out the haters en masse. But even by Al-Quds Day standards, this man's comments were beyond the pale. In any event, here's what some of you had to say. Unicorn Telecoms writes, At least he tells it how he sees it. Could be Birmingham, Bradford, London, Bolton, Manchester. This man's views are not extreme. They are commonplace. Well, Unicorn, you raise an interesting point, which is this. Is this man a lone wolf hater, or is he indeed part of a critical mass of Muslims who also subscribe to these viewpoints, albeit more discreetly? And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! <laughs> Greg Crowell writes, Yeah, don't talk to Rebel Media, the only ones who are speaking for the interests of Canadian citizens. And El Dragon writes, Why do the leftist media never give interview, never interview guys like this? LOL. Well, thanks for the compliment, Mr. Corral. And L. Dragon, the question to your, uh, the answer to your question rather is very easy. What we saw on display last Saturday in Toronto does not fit into the leftist narrative of Canada being a multicultural utopia where everyone holds hands and sings Kumbaya. Um, What was that line from Home on the Range again? where seldom is heard a discouraging word Andy Ray writes because it's Toronto this guy will probably end up being the mayor well Andy I think that just about the worst thing I can say about that future scenario is that this guy might actually make for a better mayor sure his ideas are off the charts odious but at least he speaks honestly is
2: frightening, it's angering, uh, it, it's heartbreaking because, of course, uh, it's, it's causing people to be feeling unsafe in a city that is still very safe.
0: NOYB writes, download and save this clip before it is removed. Well, indeed, NOYB, who needs Sharia law when Silicon Valley law is already doing the heavy lifting via the deplatforming of infidels? Oh, and speaking of the Sharia, we happen to source some incredibly rare footage pertaining to the swearing-in process that te- that takes place at a Sharia courtroom. Here, check it out.
3: Take off your hat. Now raise your right hand. Now place your left hand here. Take off your hat. Raise your right hand. Now put your left hand here. Please take off your hat. Raise your right hand. <laughs> now put your left hand here. Will you please take off your hat? Raise your right hand. Now put your left hand here. Take off your hat.
0: Frank G. writes, folks, they're not sending their best or brightest. Still waiting for the next Shakespeare, Einstein, and Yoko Ono? Yikes! Can't say that the inclusion of that third name helps your argument, Frankie. Geez, like a banshee caught in a leg hole trap, eh? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.